Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live immediately following draft night. Happy Friday to those of you on the East Coast. On the West Coast, it is 9.13, and we are live post-NFL draft. We have so much to talk about that I want to get right into the reaction now. We expect or anticipate to have Stripe Hype on tomorrow with his full breakdown. I hope you checked out his live stream. We are peeking in and out there. The four hours just flew by, people. Way different vibe than last year. It just flew on by this year. So much stimulation, so much craziness. If you're here for the Aaron Rodgers talk, Aaron Rodgers talk will fill the void of the next month of coverage here on the Take It Easy podcast. So tonight, we're going to take that Aaron Rodgers coverage We're going to put it over to the side, apart from mentioning that the Green Bay Packers took Eric Stokes instead of their wide receiver, who it seemed like was Rashad Bateman, and Bateman ended up going two picks earlier to Baltimore. By the way, Baltimore walks out like bandits tonight when they walk out of here with their boy uh, Rashad Bateman, and then down there at pick 31, they walk away with... um, Jason Owe from Penn State, who's going to basically be their Matthew Judon replacement. So that ends up being nice for the Ravens. And so Baltimore ends up making out like bandits. But what I was talking about was the Packers. We're going to take the Aaron Rodgers stuff, which broke just before we went on the air, and put it over to the side. If you want Aaron Rodgers talk, follow the link in the bio of this episode or I guess link in the description, follow the link in the description to this episode and go over to YouTube. We're going to make some some lapses in sounds here because we have been going at it since about 12 o'clock. I am just sensory overload, sensory overloaded. See, we're going to mess up some words here, people, because I am exhausted. I am tired. We have sensory overload going on and boy, was it a hell of a draft. So Like I said before, take Aaron Rodgers stuff, put it to the side. If you want Aaron Rodgers talk, check out the YouTube channel with our radio show from Open Talk. Uh, Just as like right off the bat here going into the draft. So we have our final mock draft that we did on Thursday. Please download that as well. We had an issue with Spotify. So if you're listening to this on Spotify now, please download there. 
we ended up with, as we count now, one, two, three, four, five. Nailed the first five picks, and those are kind of chalk. We won't really talk about those. We've been talking about those picks for months and months and months. Top five went pretty chalk, although we can talk about Trey Lance a bit because we kind of thought that it was going to be Trey Lance. By the time the draft rolled around, we all knew it was going to be Trey Lance. Um, and the last three mock drafts that we did each had Trey Lance going to the San Francisco 49ers. So at the very least, my faith was restored in humanity knowing that Mac Jones was not the number three pick in the NFL draft. So, first five picks, nailed them. Lawrence, obvious. Wilson, obvious. Lance, obvious. Pitts, obvious. Jamar Chase, obvious. Um, we got all five of those. Then we go down the list. The next one we got right was technically the Philadelphia Eagles at 12, but the Eagles traded up to 10 ahead of the New York Giants in order to make that pick. So they got Devonta Smith at pick 10. They just gave up a third round pick to make it happen. The Cowboys moved down. They got the guy they were gonna get at 10. So a smart job by the Cowboys to get that extra third round pick and take the exact person you wanted anyways. Obviously craziness ensued at pick 11, which we'll get to well, I guess next, because it was the big move of the draft. So nailed Devonta Smith, that's six. Then obviously trade out seven, Mac Jones got that. Uh, going down the list here, Washington did not take Micah Parsons. He was gone at that point. Uh, trade down, no. Titans, Caleb Farley got that one, so that's eight. Uh, let's see, Najee, nine, uh, nailed that one. And uh, that was it. Those were our picks on the NFL draft. We nailed nine, no, eight picks on NFL draft day this year. The top five, Devonta Smith, Mac Jones, and uh, who we mentioned, Najee Harris, and Caleb Farley. Sorry, that is nine. We got nine exactos in our final mock draft here. Uh, so shout out to myself and Stripe Hype Cincy for that. Okay, so those are the exactos. We talked about those picks. Uh, Najee Harris, kind of the obvious pick. We talked a lot about that. Caleb Farley going to the Titans. That was cool. We'll also talk about some of the fun draft moments that came in there. But we got to start with Justin Fields because Justin Fields is a bear. And if you would have told anyone at the start of this draft, Justin Fields would not only fall to pick 11, but that he would be a Chicago Bear and that the Bears would give up two first-round picks, a fifth and a fourth, to go up and get Justin Fields, I would have told you the Bears were the biggest winners of the NFL draft. And boy, do I rarely say that the Chicago Bears are the big winners of the NFL draft. But I think that's probably where we're at this year. And Chicago got the leeway from ownership. They got the leeway to make that pick and get the quarterback of the future. Maybe GM and coach won't have that quarterback option in long term. I think that this is the best chance you're going to get to keep your job if you're those two. Um, the roster is obviously still pretty devoid of talent, um, but Chicago made the moves necessary to put themselves in a position to succeed. And boy, by the way, Justin Fields was having none of that shit, none of it, when he went to the Chicago Bears. And it wasn't just like one photo where he's putting the hat on. It was Justin Fields being unhappy for 15 straight seconds. And oh, by the way, when the trade happened and they panned to him in the room, his family was not even there in the room, which I found is just perfect meme material, is that Justin Fields' family was just not even in the room 
when the Bears traded up to go pick him. And so they had to all walk back, all walk back, and then finally let the trade go through and celebrate and do all that fun stuff. But, I mean, it's the big shocker of the night because nobody had it. It's why picking half the NFL draft correct is harder than picking a perfect bracket, even though we got nine exactos tonight. But the top of the draft, we kind of knew a lot of those picks. So it's fascinating that Justin Fields ends up in Chicago. And from the, the Bears' standpoint, look, I think Justin Fields is special. And the idea that he ended up in the Bears, which just is a fun side note, and this may be a cool stat, that when we did, back in June, our NFL draft lottery, the Bears won the rights to the number two pick and got Justin Fields. And then, all this time later, the Chicago Bears end up drafting Fields at pick 11 when he slid all the way down to the fourth quarterback. And I was so hoping that Mac Jones would go with that pick so that we could laugh at the Chicago Bears for all of eternity. But they did make the right pick and took Justin Fields. And I think it may not prove dividends enough in year one. Maybe it won't keep Nagy's job. Maybe it won't keep Pace's job. But it does set the foundation for the Chicago Bears to have a quarterback of the future. And I only say that because I believe in Justin Fields. And I may be blasphemously wrong. And the Bears might ruin Justin Fields like they ruin everyone else. But you know what? I think this is going to work out swimmingly for the Chicago Bears. Maybe not next year. And I don't know if Nagy and Pace are like on the chopping block or whatever. But they, they took advantage of the draft falling the way it did. And I honestly thought at the top that the Patriots were going to be that team that took advantage of everyone else's miscues. And the idea that it's the Bears taking advantage of everyone else's miscues makes me reevaluate the beef I've had with Chicago Bears fans for a while. But that's just the silly stuff. In terms of like the wrestling persona, last night was a great night for myself and having to, you know, have some reclamations with how I feel about Mac Jones and Justin Fields and the teams that they now play for. Because again, I really wanted the anarchy of Justin Fields going to the Patriots. But the Patriots couldn't get up to number eight because Carolina desperately and definitely wanted J.C. Horn with the eighth pick. And if they had gone down to 15, there was no chance J.C. Horn was going to make it that far. And so I was surprised and I, I, if you've listened to the radio show and heard me talk for a while, I am baffled more often than not by the mediocre decisions that the Panthers and the Broncos make. There was also rumors right before the Aaron Rodgers news broke that Drew Locke had had talk, like there were trade talks with the Panthers around Drew Locke, and I found that funny because they just traded for Teddy Bridgewater and they're just going to exchange mediocrity over and over again. But what's so weird about the Denver Broncos picking Patrick Sertain and the Carolina Panthers picking J.C. Horn when Justin Fields was available, and obviously the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold, so they didn't really want Justin Fields in the first place, or at the very least they've decided that we're now committed to Sam Darnold. Maybe they made the trade too early, and I think that's still a very real possibility. Um, but it's the same exact move that the Jets were about to make if they had kept Sam Darnold. Now the Panthers are doing it, and I will blaspheme against the Panthers for doing it because risk analysis just isn't worth it. The idea that Justin Fields fell to you at 8, and J.C. Horn may be awesome, but the idea that he fell to 8 
and you decided that you did not want him altogether is blaspheming against the rebuilding process, blaspheming against the roster construction method, and the idea that Sam Darnold is going to be your anchor for the next two years shows me the sign that the Carolina Panthers are not a very well-run organization. Broncos, I can say the same thing for you. I think even Patrick Sertain is not going to help uh, Vic Fangio keep his job. But these are two mediocre franchises making mediocre moves. And uh, another mediocre franchise, or at least a perpetual rebuilder in the Chicago Bears, seems to have been the big winners of the draft. And maybe the Bears end up being proven incompetent and the Panthers and Broncos make the correct moves. I remember everyone was making fun of the Browns for taking Denzel Ward. And yes, Denzel Ward's not as good as Quentin Nelson, but it's still a damn good pick by the Cleveland Browns to pick up Denzel Ward. And so time will tell on this. I don't know what the correct process is going to be, but it's looking like from where it stands in the you know armchair GM, the Panthers and Broncos made the same mediocre moves that plague the Panthers and Broncos for years and years. And the beneficiaries of that are the Bears, who... You know, immediately get your QB1, and Justin Fields, I think, is going to be awesome. Even if he's an immediate impact guy, I don't know if that means Chicago all of a sudden is going to be great. The idea that they made the playoffs last year was was blaspheming against the idea that you should build a team around a quarterback because they were basically a 5-11 team that happened to go 8-8 without much of a quarterback in the toe. And oh, by the way, they still have Nick Foles hanging around on that roster with Andy Dalton. So it's going to be a bag. It's going to be a mixed bag in that quarterback room when you talk about Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. Fields obviously should be the starter. The only reason that they wouldn't is this weird notion that rookies shouldn't start right out the gate, where TJ Yates started over Deshaun Watson for like half a game before they switched Watson in and, you know, took off from there. Um, But I think this is going to work out very well for Chicago. And I think a lot of that is just precedent. Chiefs traded up for Mahomes, worked out swimmingly. Uh, Watson fell, they traded up for him, worked out swimmingly. So I think precedent is setting that into motion. um, That when players fall like that and teams trade up to get them, usually those players end up being pretty good. There's also like miscues, like Paxton Lynch was great prospect, fell in the first round, traded up, ended up busting out. So... It's not like it's a guarantee, but I've been high on Justin Fields. Everyone's been saying for years, Justin Fields is the number two prospect coming in the class. Number two quarterback, if it weren't for Trevor Lawrence, he'd be the consensus number one pick. And if the consensus number one pick falls to 11 and the Chicago Bears trade up to get him, I think the Chicago Bears are going to be some pretty nice winners. And when the Giants took Kadarius Toney, you could just see the confusion setting in across everyone's face where... They took that position of luxury, they signed Kenny Galladay, and they were thinking about Jalen Waddle, but once Jalen Waddle was gone, they said, how can we get a speed deep threat guy that's not Jalen Waddle, but we can't take Kadarius Toney at 11, so we might as well trade down to 20. For the first time, Trade Gettleman has traded down in the draft, which we said that coming into the draft. I think it was our last episode, we mentioned Dave Gettleman has never traded down in the draft, and he broke that rule because he really wanted a speedy wide receiver. And he gets Kadarius Toney there at pick number 20, even though the Giants fans probably wanted Quiddy Pay uh, at that pick. 
still works out pretty, pretty well for those New York football giants. Support for the Take It Easy podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and today we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code TIE, that's T-I-E, at manscaped.com. Manscaped hooked me up with a bunch of tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit, including the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TIE, T-I-E, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TIE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, let's go through the rest of some of these draft picks here. Some of the, the big stuff that went down on draft night. And the first place to begin after those top five picks is... Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. They'll run the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you hear Miami, you're thinking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. They shocked me when they took Jalen Waddle over Panay Sewell at pick number six. And by the way, that one could really come back to haunt them. Or maybe it'll be like a Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson situation where they end up aight, but they definitely missed out on a big time guy. That could really come back to bite the Dolphins. So Miami took a huge gamble on Jalen Waddle. I think that they were upset when Pitts and Chase went, but they passed on the blue chipper and they went for the speedy guy from Alabama, who I feel like we did not learn anything from Henry Ruggs last year, but so be it. Waddle's a different player. Maybe it's a different scenario, but I think that the Dolphins, who don't have a great track record of drafting, even with this regime, like you could say like past regimes haunt an organization and, you know, Chris Long, or not Chris Long, Jake Long being drafted over Matt Ryan still haunts the Dolphins. I don't think that's true, but just looking at this organization specifically, under Flores and Greer, their first round picks have been, if I go back and recall correctly, so they had 2019, so that was the Kyler Murray draft. They took Christian Wilkins. That turned out pretty well, to be honest. Christian Wilkins was a good pick. Last year, they took Tua. Probably should have took Herbert. They took Austin Jackson, and that's looking to be a bad selection because they were looking at Panay Sewell this year. And then they took Noah, I can't pronounce his last name, uh, but it starts with an I, and he's basically a slot corner. So 
none of those picks really worked out the way the Dolphins intended. And so a lot of that is leaving me like a little skeptical. Those free agent moves helped them be like perfectly mediocre last year. They got lucky and won nine games, but they were really like a seven or eight win team. And Miami now comes in and when they take a risky move like Jalen Waddell, who I think Devonta Smith is better than Jalen Waddell. Again, I haven't done advanced scouting or anything, but a lot of it just has to do with I've seen Devonta Smith just go ridiculously bonkers, unlike anything I've seen in college football before. So I'm leaning towards Devonta Smith. But they took Jalen Waddell even over Panay Sewell. So they took it over two guys I really liked, which were Panay Sewell and Devonta Smith and Justin Fields, but acknowledging the Dolphins weren't going to take another quarterback at pick six, like just acknowledging that they were going to ride it out with Tua, and I understand why they would do it. Miami ends up making the risky move, and I did not like it, but it could work out for Miami, because what did they need more than anything? A wide receiver, and they got one. Even if it's Jalen Waddle, the third wide receiver I felt on the board, even like a bad pick like Corey Davis ended up working out a little bit in the end for the Titans. And the good news for the Titans and the good news for the Dolphins you're playing with house money here. This is just a pick that you got from Laramie Tunsil. This is an extra pick that you acquired by moving down from three to six. So you're playing with house money here. The idea that you could have had Kyle Pitts at three has definitely got to sting a little bit, but you're playing with house money if you're the Miami Dolphins. And the Titans were playing with house money when they took Corey Davis because they traded with the, tight, with the Rams. They used that extra first round pick from the Rams to select Corey Davis. Corey Davis ended up having a 1,000-yard season before going to sign with the Jets this offseason, so he was like a, a four-and-done player. One contract, then leave the Titans. But again, the Titans got the best out of him they could. They made an AFC championship run. They were playing with house money on Corey Davis, and Jalen Waddle reminds me of that pick. He was like the third or fourth receiver in that class. Ravens played with house money, took Corey Davis, and uh, it worked out okay for the Titans. But again, like with the Titans and the Dolphins playing with house money, I think it'll be all right for the Dolphins, even if Panay Sewell becomes a stud and Devonta Smith is better than uh, Jalen Waddell, like I think it's going to be, and like I believe Stripe Hype agrees with. But we'll ask Blake about that tomorrow, or today, based on when you're listening to this. Um, Detroit Lions fans are celebrating right now because they're saying, yes! We have organizational competence, new owner, new GM, new coach, and the Lions have competence, people. The Lions are competent, and they did not mess it up. They got the blue chipper fall into their lap at pick seven. The Lions did not mess it up. So celebrate, Lions fans, because you have organizational competence. I don't know if that's going to be awesome for you guys, but you got a blue chip prospect and you guys are on the comeuppance at this point. I don't know if I use that word correctly or not, but I'm very tired and very sensory overloaded. So you know what? We're going to roll with it here. Nailed that pick for Detroit. You've got organizational competence now and you had good things fall your way. So good job, Detroit. Things are looking up for your Detroit Lions. You know what things are not looking up for? The Las Vegas Raiders, because just like they always do, the Raiders reached again. They reached on Henry Ruggs last year. That pick blew up in their face. 
They reached on Cleland Furl two years ago at pick four. That blew up in their face. They reached on Damon Arnett last year at pick 19. That blew up in their face. So might as well try it again with Alex Leatherwood, the prospect who had a 60% chance of falling to pick number 46 and uh, where the Raiders were picking in the second round, by the way. So let's go Raiders. We're just going to do the same damn thing we always do, which has failed us already, and we are really in a position to suck next year and get John Gruden fired. Let's go Raiders. We are continuing to make the stupid moves that have failed us in the past, but you know what? We're going to go out guns blazing if we're the Raiders at this point. So you know what? Best of luck to them for hiring TV guys to be their GM and their coach, and GM guys are sticking to their guns and making some bad picks for the Raiders. So congratulations to Mayock and Gruden. Um, let's talk Mac Jones now, because I have to now reconsider my Mac Jones feelings now that he's on the Patriots. And maybe I don't really. Like, I could just analyze it from a like just a regular perspective. But Boston fans are going to be happy about Mac Jones, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm not excited about Mac Jones, and that was a little bit of a racist shot at Boston, which is a well-earned reputation, but was also a little bit of a cheap shot, understandably. Um, the Patriots are in this weird place right now. The Patriots are still Cam Newton, I think. I don't think Mac Jones takes over right away. And... Mac Jones is my least favorite prospect, as well documented on here, and one of the reasons that I think I'm so anti-Mac Jones has nothing to do with his quarterback play, but just the idea that people who are overly supportive of Mac Jones are people who like putting American flags in their bio pictures, and so maybe the Patriots are the perfect place for him there. Sorry, another cheap shot there. But Patriots didn't really have any big needs. They addressed most of them in free agency. Their roster is what it is, and it's going to be that way with or without the Mac Jones pick. I don't think any rookie at any position would have came in and been an immediate impact player for the Patriots. And as we've well documented before, the Patriots have been really bad at doing this whole drafting thing over the past few years. So if you get your guy... Uh, if you get your, sorry, if you get your guy Mac Jones and he's a developmental project, or maybe he starts right away and he's good, or maybe he starts right away and he's bad, to be honest, I have no idea what the Patriots are going to do because they have a division winning ready roster right now. And to be honest, I think Cam Newton can be a comeback type player. And, you know, I'm not 100% certain Cam Newton is going to be the quarterback. They can cut him out of camp. They have Jarrett Stidham. They're waiting to see if the 49ers cut Jimmy Garoppolo, if they can sign him. Would that change their game around? The Patriots have a lot of options, none of which I think are long-term, like, thriving options. Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jarrett Stidham, and Mac Jones don't necessarily scream thriving future. But the Patriots are going to interchange, and they've built out the rest of this roster. To a point where I think, again, I think they can compete with the Bills, who nabbed Gregory Rousseau, who we are really, really rooting for to be great, and now he gets to join the Bills Mafia. So congratulations to our buddy Gregory Rousseau, who made it in the first round. We adopted him on this podcast, so shout out to Gregory Rousseau. Also, just a side note when we were talking about the Dolphins, shout out to the Dolphins fan at the draft who had the Miami flag 
they drafted Jalen Phillips and then flipped over to the U flag immediately. Like he had both of them there ready to flash one when Jalen Phillips got drafted and ready to flash one when the Dolphins drafted. So shout out to that guy who brought both and then just started waving both of them when the Dolphins took Jalen Phillips. So that was a nice little storyline of the draft. And by the way, we uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda nailed that pick if we had, uh, you know, pick Jalen Phillips there instead of Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who ended up falling into round two along with Aziz Ojolare. Um, so anyways, that was, uh, that was supposed to be conversation about Mac Jones. I think I pretty well addressed Mac Jones to the extent I wanted to. It's a major wait and see thing, and he ends up on the Patriots like we'd been projecting a bunch, but it's just interesting to now see it official because I didn't think it would actually happen. But Mac Jones went as QB5, and my faith in humanity has once again been restored. Um, one, one thing that was just totally out of left field tonight was the Jets trading up with the Vikings and going to take Elijah Vera Tucker, and then the Vikings going down to 23 and getting the exact player they were going to pick at 14, and everyone had projected at 14, which was Christian Derisaw. And to be honest, that's a 10th nailed selection because we had Christian Derisaw going to Minnesota at 14 and they got him all the way down at 23. So I will call that a victory for Minnesota and a huge victory for the Jets. I think that's a total win-win trade for both sides. Both get an offensive lineman at a position of need. Vera Tucker made more sense for the Jets than he did for the Vikings and Derisaw makes more sense for the Vikings than the Jets. So both of those teams get a position of need. It's a huge win for both sides. And I think offensive lineman trades, that's a good way to go because both of them were fairly similar prospects. Vera Tucker will play guard for the Jets and Christian, uh, Christian Derrissaw can be uh, the replacement to Riley Reef for the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings add some extra picks. They're still going to be around eight and eight, but I like what the Minnesota Vikings did tonight. Uh, Chargers got Rashawn Slater, A-plus grade. I'm sure that uh, our buddy Blake Jude will have the same thing. We'll ask him tomorrow about that one. Uh, Rashad Bateman going to Baltimore. We talked about that as a victory. Uh, we said we'd put the Packers stuff aside. Uh, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Davis, a Kentucky guy who we talked about before. Jamin Davis going at number 29 which we had the Raiders trading down for, but he ends up going to Washington at 19, where we had Micah Parsons, but Micah Parsons did not make it farther than the Dallas Cowboys. And so I think that's a great pick for the Cowboys, and they had a third rounder that may or may not be helpful down the road, but they got the exact same guy they were going to take at 10. So Washington went next best available linebacker. They got Jamin Davis. Um, Indy went quitty pay, found that to be interesting. Uh, like I said, we nailed Caleb Farley. That was a cool photo of him by himself in his room because of his COVID protocol, but congrats to Caleb Farley. Some of just the fun stuff from draft night now before we finish this thing up. One, I don't know if you saw Christian Derrissaw's tape during the draft, but they had a video of him laying out a dude. And there's this funny video because he laid out a guy and they really wanted to add that tape in there, but also his quarterback threw a terrible pass. And so it was just, it was funny to have that happen to them. And then, like, they did his quarterback dirty during that uh, live video. 
We got Giants fans being confused by Kadarius Toney, an annual tradition of Giants fans being confused by what the hell their team is doing, an annual tradition unlike any other. Uh, a Seahawks fan pulled up to the draft even though his team had no first round pick. Uh, I found that to be funny that they still invite teams that don't have a first round pick. Trevor Lawrence's grandma might be like six foot two and we don't even know about it. ESPN had a really funny graphic of what Urban Meyer looked like. That was funny. Uh, the Jaguars signing Carlos Hyde and then drafting Travis Etienne, which is just a dick move to James Robinson. I hope James Robinson ends up not being like Philip Lindsay, but man, ain't that brutal that you can go be the third leading rusher in the NFL, but because you played for the worst team in the league, they know that you are kind of devoid of talent. But they get ETN, they pair him with Trevor Lawrence, might as well just take the, the Trevor Lawrence-Clemson offense and pitted against each other, but the Bengals, they are recreating the LSU offense to the best of their ability, so nice job by them. Uh, Jaguars fans, I will still admit, the sooner you admit DJ Chark is not a number one receiver, the better off you will be in the long run, so good luck to you guys. Those were some of the really fun stuff that I saw during the draft, and of course I mentioned this earlier, Justin Fields' family just dipping out after... Uh, hearing or before hearing that he was getting tr that the bears were trading up and everyone had to walk back to the couch after the fact that was some of the cool stuff that we saw during the draft and uh, those were my favorite moments of this year we did not ha i think the couch thing will be this year's equivalent of a stray pooper in uh mike vrabel's house as well as his crazy kids that looked like uh <laughs> looked like frozone from uh, The Incredibles, and also another one that looked like if Joe Exotic and his husband had a child. Um, that's uh, the photo of the year last year. Also, Mike Vrabel dipping while making the pick. It was just the photo of the year during the draft last year. Uh, and that would be not quite the, the case this year, but I think the equivalent photo is Justin Fields' family just being nowhere in sight when the Bears traded up to draft him and him looking like a hostage situation after the fact. So with that being said, this has been our bonus post-draft pod. Be on the lookout for a full draft pod tomorrow with Blake Jude. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. I'm going to get some sleep because I got some sensory overload going on. Enjoy the draft, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you loved it because it did not disappoint. Take it easy, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.